My name is Diana and this is the Family Finance Show, the podcast to help you manage your family's finances better. Every week we share an episode on topics relating to increasing your family's income and managing expenses, controlling your debt and investing for the future. Today Warren and I are talking about saving for a university education for your children. Warren, before we talk about the different ways to save for and pay for the university education, I think the most important thing for people is to be clear about their goals. So you need to decide up front, do you want to pay for only the education component or the living expenses and laptops as well? Do you want to pay for an undergraduate degree or a postgraduate degree? Does your child want to go to a local or an overseas university? Will your child get a job to cover some expenses or do you need to budget for an allowance? So all of these things need to be considered. And once you've decided what you want to do, then you're able to calculate roughly how much you need to save. You need that goal and that's the number one and probably most important step. So among your clients, have you seen people make good and bad decisions about tertiary education for their children um, based on some of the options I gave above? Uh, above? What, uh, what advice would you offer people? I think it's, a, um, it's such a tricky topic because you're talking to parents who, who in, in almost every instance, not, I'm not going to say in all instances, always want to give their children the best they possibly can. They want to give them the best education uh, and, and, and the biggest chance of succeeding. And so often what happens is that that, uh, that thought process overrides all other objectives. So, you know, and, and I think, you know, if they could, they'd send their children to Harvard. Uh, and, and the only reason they don't is because they can't afford it. And then they look at, what, well, what's the next best, best option I can go to? Uh, and, and I think that that's a very natural, very human thing to do as, as a, I mean, for, for any parent. And it's, a, it's an admirable quality. But, but I think the starting point, and as you say, yes, you've got to set your goals. But, but unfortunately, the goal is usually the best I possibly can give my children. And, and so, uh, you know, if, for, for fun, you can go and do the calculation to see what it would cost to send your children to an overseas university. And, and yet you can do some affordability calculations to see whether you can afford to, to do that. And, and the answer is, it's probably going to be around about 1 to 1.2 million rand per year per, per child to be studying at a decent, not even a Stanford or a Harvard or Oxford or whatever overseas. It's going to be just a decent university. And that's a heck of a lot of money to pay with after-tax money, uh, especially if you've got two children who want to study for three or four years. So, so you know, that will have a massive impact on, on lots of different aspects that parents don't think about. You know? And one of them is what happens while you're now trying to set that money aside and while you're saving so that your child can go to you know, a great university, what, what compromises, what trade-offs are you making in, in the time before that? So let's say you've got a five-year-old child and you say, it's, it's non-negotiable, my child's studying overseas. That means that in the, in the time that you're now saving from the time the child is five to 18 or 19 years old, uh, what pressure are you putting on the family? What compromises are, you know, are, are being made now that might potentially actually be affecting your child? And that's something that parents don't think about is that this huge financial sacrifice to give your child the best is great, as long as it doesn't come at a much bigger emotional cost to the child and to the family. If everyone's under huge financial pressure all the time, uh, then what happens is you're giving your child a really bad environment. And I know this isn't a psychology show, but unfortunately, money and psychology go together. Uh, and I think it's one of the things you, when, you, when, you, when I talk to parents is saying, just get the emotional balance right. I mean, you, if you want to give your, your child the best chance in life, 
One of the things is give them the least pressurized family life you can. And unfortunately, money plays a huge role in, in pressure. So, so yes, uh, you know, the starting point, I think, is to do a calculation. And I, and I agree with that. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into that now. But, but, but firstly, is just understand emotionally, what are you prepared to do as a family? Uh, what are the goals as a family? How, how will everyone be affected? Because there's no point in, for example, spending all of your money as parents on, on sending your child to university and then you've got nothing. You've got no provision for retirement, no ability to look after yourself financially because what happens then is your child becomes your financial plan. So the, the pressure that you're putting on your child now to succeed at that university that's that's so expensive and they'll know it's expensive and then to succeed in their first career and, and to, to be able to look after you, that, that pressure can be crushing. Um, and I think that that's the point is not, you know, you, you, you're possibly not giving your, your child a gift. What you're possibly doing is, is giving them an incredible burden. And, and so I think I, I would always start with that conversation. Um, but, but, and to be but, realistic, I think that some people, sometimes people are just not realistic about what they can afford. So if you can't afford an overseas university, that's not the end of the world. Just have an honest conversation with your children to say, we won't be able to afford to send you to the United States for your tertiary education. You can choose one of the great universities here in South Africa, and there definitely are some great ones here. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, the, the other thing to think through is uh, very few people in the world can send their children to university. This is not, you know, you know, we have such a fixation in South Africa about it must be university. You, know, you don't get a career if you don't go to university. And, and I think that, that, that to me that that's a dynamic that's starting to change. Uh, it's something we need to think about differently. Yes, a university is great uh, if, if it's affordable for the family. And as you say, there's some, some fantastic South African universities. But at the same time, if your financial position is extremely constrained, does it have to be university? For example, can you send your child to learn how to do coding first? And can they become a productive income generating person as quickly as possible so that they can start to afford to educate themselves further with, with the great skill that, they, that makes them employable very quickly? Uh, and, and then they can build out their education on their own. You know, I think too often nowadays we get we get stuck in the, the, the paradigm that we had when we were growing up. Everyone, you know, where, where possible, our parents and our grandparents would have said, you have to go to university, you know. And, and in the old days, you had to become a doctor or a lawyer or an, or an accountant. Well, you know, the, those are, there's nothing wrong with those. Those are honorable professions, but potentially a data scientist is a much better thing to be nowadays. So... So I think you're right. We need to be realistic if we, you know, if we are parents talking talking about or thinking about our children, and and don't default to what your generation's parents thought about. Potentially, there's many other ways to to to, to educate children nowadays. So so I think that realism is is really critical. And and you know, truthfully, if someone said to me, "What's the what's the best skill to learn?" I, I mean, to me, it's something extremely practical. Uh, Something that you can that you can do with your hands or with your brain, uh, and and that's transportable. That doesn't require a lot of capital. So so you know I think a coder, a plumber, electrician, probably equally valuable. And and in fact, to, to answer your question, a lot of my clients are now retired electricians, retired plumbers, retired people that had their own business that used their hands, used their brains, didn't have university education, and and in no way did they suffer because they became lifelong students. So, so I think as a parent, you know, and, and I get funny looks when I say to the parents, look, you know, th think about teaching your child uh, plumbing, you know, if they're not the best academic around. Uh, and and, and I, I find usually the response quite negative and parents quite insulted by, by the fact that I'm telling their kids to become plumbers. But, but the same is around coding, you know, there, there are lots of skills nowadays that are really practical. 
So, so to me, that's the starting point when we're talking about tertiary education. It's about a skill set that's needed to, to, to give your child the best chance in life in the, in the beginning of their working career. And, you know, becoming a great philosopher uh, is a wonderful goal, but that doesn't necessarily help you earn uh, the, your first rand or your first dollar the, the, the day you finish school. And so I think you know to get that balance between being productive and and being independent and and have a, having a skill set that's valuable is is important. And and so to me I think that 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 I'm, I would encourage uh, parents where possible, especially where they're financially constrained, to to help their children get a skill that and, and potentially we talk about gap years where, where where kids don't go straight from school to to university. So so they could use that gap year to to gain a skill, to gain a, a valuable skill that potentially could help them pay for their own university as well. You know, if if there's a if there's a financial burden on the family, which there will be. But but I, I think the starting point is a lot of concern to answer your question. I know I haven't really answered it yet, but uh, when I talk to, to parents, uh, especially parents that have a bit more capital, they are deeply concerned about their children's tertiary education in South Africa. I think, you know, the fees must fall movement. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we, we can understand the, the morals and the, the, the ethics behind that that are, are, are really uh, admirable and really good. But the concern for a lot of parents will be that how will universities afford to pay for all kids to be at that university? And what compromises will that do to the, the standard of education at universities? So, so it's not that there is an outcome now that, that, that parents believe that this is how it's going to be in the next 10 years, that it's going to be worse or it's going to be better. They don't know. And I think that that's the starting point around this. So that means that there are more parents looking at overseas universities because they're worried about the university standards in South Africa, potentially in the future, not now. And, and alternative to that is they're looking at more private universities in South Africa. And I think they're looking at what, what can private institutions do so that they can guarantee that their kids go, uh, you know, do get a university education. And I think you know, the, 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 the thing about a movement like Fees Must Fall is the protests that go around that, that where, where, where you know, fellow students feel entitled to stop education for everybody until their demands are met is deeply concerning, disconcerting to, to parents. And that's parents across all economic groups, you know, who look at this and say, well, you know, we can't pay for our children to spend two or three extra years in, at university because there's all these protests, whatever the reason might be. We need to ensure that we, the money that we've got gets gets used as quickly as possible for the best benefit to our child. So, so those are the kinds of conversations I'm hearing from from parents uh, now around uh, around the future. And so, yes, they're saving as much as they possibly can to give their children the best education they can. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, it's about where can we go, where can we send our children overseas. Interesting to get that perspective because we don't often see that that perspective. So, thanks for sharing that, Warren. And if we get into, if we broaden the discussion, which I agree, we should broaden the discussion to discuss tertiary rather than university, because perhaps it's better to learn coding or a skill, but that also costs some money. So if you want to save for some kind of tertiary qualification for your child, what's the best way to go about saving? And does it change depending on your time horizon? Like maybe your child's only got three years left of school compared to if you've just given birth. Obviously, if someone has just given birth, nobody wants to think of and a tertiary education for their their little baby, but that's probably the best time to start thinking and planning and saving for for the future. I c- c- couldn't agree more. I think you know the the earlier you start for your child, the better. Because uh, let, let's say, for example, we take that your 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 illustration. So so a child that's just been born and a child that's got three years three years of school left. 
The child that's got three years of, of school left, there is actually not much you can do. What, you got, what you're going to have to do is actually put that money uh, in, into the, the best interest-earning money market account you can find because your time frame is only three years before you start to need that money. So, for example, you couldn't go and buy a top 40 index in South Africa or a world index overseas because your time frame there needs to be at least five years, if not seven years. And, and so if you did that, if you took the money and you put it aside for the next three years and the stock market crashed and half of that money disappeared in a big market crash, you, you, you wouldn't be able to afford to send your child to, to, to university or to tertiary education. And so that, that's why the time frame is really important. Whereas if your child's a new, newborn and you can start saving there, the, the answer is that you've got you know, 18, 19 years before that money will be needed. And in that, you can definitely buy uh, a top 40 index and a world index as an example and give give that money the best chance of growing while you start saving and the longer you can save and the longer the more more uh, you can, more opportunity you give the money to grow the better for for the whole portfolio and i think the, the the time frame is really critical there because the longer the time frame the earlier you start the more choices you have you know th- th- then suddenly an overseas education might not seem as unaffordable uh, as it would be if you only had 3 years to save so, so I think you're right. You know, people don't think about it. They, they, you know, they're so worried about and paying for nappies and 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 medical care and whatever when, when the baby's born. And you know, there's prams and cribs and all that stuff. And I understand that. But and just putting aside a couple of hundred bucks or you know a thousand bucks, depending on your financial position, as early as you possibly can, that gives everybody, including you, including the child, the best chance of having the, the most uh, range of choice by the time they need to go and 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 get that tertiary education. And I think a great tip is also to have an automatic contribution because then you don't think about it. And through the good times and the bad times, you're investing. So you have 500 rand a month or whatever you can afford. If it automatically gets invested every month, that's um, it just takes the worry away and it grows over time and you, you spread your risk. So I think that's a great tip for new parents too. Um, so there's also a whole lot of other options. So um, I think people... Um, don't spend enough time looking at what's available in terms of scholarships and company bursaries. There's obviously also debt. There's a whole range of things that um, people can use if they want to educate their their children, give their children a tertiary education. And in my case, for example, I, I applied for many, many different scholarships and bursaries to many different universities. And it's a lot of legwork and paperwork and a real pain. But I actually, um, it paid off. I managed to get a a scholarship to do a science degree at at UCT. But I decided that I would um, break the family tradition. My parents both had science degrees and I, I went for a commerce degree. So I had to pay for that myself. And I got a loan, which is um, probably not the the first thing that uh, parents want their children to go to, but that loan really helped me to understand compound interest. It was quite a big loan, so it was an undergrad degree, and back in 2003, I think I left university with 90,000 rand in, in debt to pay off. But luckily, I got a good job after university, so I paid off that loan in, in four years. But that experience taught me that I never wanted to pay interest again. So that, that was a really good lesson to learn, in fact. Um, but for parents who haven't been able to save and maybe their child's got three years left of school before they, they go to tertiary, there are options like debt, there's options like um, uh, scholarships, company bursaries, uh, big companies like Telcom, I know, gives a lot of bursaries. So people should really look into all that help available 
as well as um, saving. Absolutely, it's 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 actually something. It's a great point. It's it's one I forget a lot, you know. And I think, uh, uh, you know, doing the admin and doing the legwork, uh, you know, now that might be painful, could uh, could pay in hundreds of thousands of rands worth of savings or, or future bursaries in the future. So so absolutely, I mean, one one thing a student will have is time, you know, to find those things. So so that's a, a great call. And the last question, Warren, just to wrap up, do you think it's better to do it yourself when it comes to university savings and investments or to use a product that's specially designed for university saving? And are there any that you would recommend? No. <laughs> so so I, I must say, it's one of my pet hates is, you know, big companies and often be, uh, you know sell these things like an education plan or something like that. And, and all that is, is a normal product that's been packaged. It's got a different little label on the front. So they've changed the cover, made it, you know, colorful. And, and it's got a whole emotional aspect attached to it because parents obviously want to give their children the best. So what happens is they see education plan. They immediately and correctly would believe that, you know, that one would understand that they would believe that this is the best route for, for how, how they save for their children's education. And, and unfortunately, uh, most of those are quite expensive and, and most of them have a some sort of a contract and there's probably upfront fees and all that. So I really don't like this. I mean, to me, you know, starting a simple index investment where you do, as you said, you know, as you suggested, probably a debit order that runs into that, that simple index investment on a, on a monthly basis w- w- would be low cost. It would give you nice diversification. Uh, and if you've got the debit order, there's a good good bit of discipline there. And over time, you can start to to, to build up that capital. The, the debate will be whether you do that in a tax-free savings account for the child as well. That That's a possibility. If you don't and you just do a normal index investment for yourself or even just a normal unit trust, just know that when you start to draw the money out, there might be some capital gains tax that you have to pay. That That's not the end of the world. You know, that's a little bit of tax. But, but I think I would rather do something like that than some sort of an education plan or you know, um, packaged savings plan, because I think the, the, the likelihood is you're going to pay lots of fees and not get the, the same benefit as a really simple index investment or unit trust. Thanks. Thanks for your time today, Warren. Really appreciate it. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay on the journey to improving your family's financial well-being. 